Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. For this episode, I'm interviewing Jennifer Chapman. Jennifer is an expert leadership coach that works with STEM managers and leaders who want to increase productivity and performance by strengthening their confidence and people skills. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thank you. Well, I am excited about this topic. I, I mean, I like all of the topics on Quit Bleeping Around, of course, but this is one that we get a lot of questions about. Before we dive into it, though, let's get into your background. So tell us about yourself. My name is Jennifer Chapman, and I'm an executive leadership coach. I have focused my work on the science, technology, engineering, and maths or finance industries. And I've, I've really enjoyed working with that group, very matter of fact and direct. I'm actually married to a mechanical engineer, so I get lots of communication practice with them <laughs> at home. Um, and my husband loves the free coaching that comes along. And well, he doesn't always love it, I should say. Most of the time he loves it. <laughs> Sometimes, are you coaching me? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and I, before that, before I got into coaching, I was a consultant at a very large conf- consulting firm. So I have my own experiences to share about some of the bosses I've had, some of the people I've been a boss to. I'm certainly not perfect. I have a lot of real world experience in addition to the experiences I've had with my coaching clients. So I'm really excited to share with your audience, some of the the things that they can do that will hopefully help them be happier at work. And I should also mention that the reason why I do what I do as a leadership coach working with STEM professionals and managers and leaders is because we spend at least a third of our lives at work, which let's be honest, is more than the quality time we get with our families or significant others. And so if you're going to spend that much of your life at work, I would love you to be happy at it. So how can I make people like their jobs more, be more productive? And that carries on over to the rest of our lives. And the people around us are happier when we're happier at work. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a ripple effect, right? Exactly. Yeah. So before we get into the topic of how to manage your boss, can you first share why it's important that we know how to manage our boss? Because there are a lot of bosses who need managing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think everyone can relate to, in your career, you probably had some great bosses. I hope you've had some great bosses. And and then I think all of us at one time or another has had a boss that was more of a challenge. And I think we do do ourselves a disservice when we put all the power in the hands of our boss and, oh yeah, I'm not, you know, I hate it when my boss does this, or I'm not getting the attention I need. I'm not getting the professional development I was hoping for. And we just sit there and, and assume that the other person is going to change or act differently. And that's not going to happen. They, they might not care. They might not have the time. They might just be oblivious. I mean, there's so many reasons. And instead of trying to guess. Um, sometimes just having a direct conversation can do wonders. But I want, I want people to feel empowered to think about what kind of relationship do you want with your boss? And then let's talk about how to make it happen because you have so much in your power to change there. Yeah. So very important that we don't just sit around and wait, right? We need to actively manage our boss. How do we do that? 
Well, there's obviously no one size fits all here. Um, but yeah. I, there are a lot of common types of bosses. And so I thought maybe we could talk about some of those different kinds of bosses and some tips that, that could help uh, with a caveat of just knowing I haven't met each and every one of your bosses, <laughs> those who are listening. So uh, you may try some of these things and go, wow, that didn't have the effect I was hoping for. And that's okay. Um, just trying something different often will open the door to being able to look back and, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what can I try now? Um, so, so don't be afraid to try things. And also just keep an open mind that not every boss is going to react the same. It's an experiment. Yes, an experiment. And that's one thing that's nice about working with a coach is or, or having some kind of a supportive accountability partner, because then you've got someone you can go back to and say, uh, you know, help me look at this differently or with a new perspective. I, I think that's really important. Yeah. So what is uh, what, what would the first step be? Well, so I thought maybe we'd try first with um, two polar opposite bosses. And oh, perfect. So one, we're going to we're going to talk about a micromanager boss. And I was asked to come in and do a team coaching session for a group at um, at an organization, and it was a, a frontline supervisor, and she supervised a pretty large team. I believe there were 12, maybe even 13 people that she managed. And one of the things that had been a struggle was many of her staff felt like she was a micromanager and she didn't understand that at all. She thought she was, you know, just the right amount of being directive without being too much. So we spent some time in our coaching session, first getting clarity around some examples of when people felt like she was being a micromanager. And there was one time in particular where somebody was in charge of making sure everybody uh, in a division had taken some kind of a compliance training. And she, the boss every day was sometimes twice a day asking for updates from this guy who was in charge. And the the more she asked, the more resistant he got to answer, which yeah. then heightened her anxiety, which made her ask more often. And they were stuck in this spiral of do, doing exactly what the other one didn't want to ha have happen. And it just created craziness. So then we talked about first from the boss, what was your what why are you checking in so often and she explained more about the regulations the consequences if it doesn't get complete and that she had her bosses all on her to make sure it all got done and then i asked the team you know how they felt by her actions and they they said well you know i feel like you don't trust us I feel a lack of confidence, which makes me feel discouraged in my job. And she, the boss had no idea that that's how she was making her employees feel. So then we came up with a plan of how could we make sure that she got updates and knew that everything was on track without it happening the way it was happening then. And so they, yeah. they worked it out. They worked out a communication plan and how it's that she, she'd be kept in the loop, but without appearing to hound the employees about it. And um, it was really great. It was really cool. Once they could identify that, that these are the feelings that both sides had. And the real 
issue was how do we get this done and have greater trust, they they did work out a solution. And um, both the boss was happier because she didn't have to get after them like she thought she did. And then, of course, the people who were doing the work did feel more trust and ended up with a much better working relationship with her. Oh, yeah. So it sounds like you were the the boss was wanting to make things better. But as the as the individual, how do you approach that kind of conversation with your boss? Uh, That's a great question. And I would say if you can point to the more you can point to specific examples, the easier it will be to communicate how you're feeling to your boss. If you just walk in there and say, you're a micromanager, (laughs) not going to go over very well. um, And this with, you just want data, 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 data. So if you can say, Hey, I, you assigned such and such task to me. And this week you've sent me five emails uh, with questions or input or, you know, what checking up on it. And I feel like, you don't think I'm going to do this task correctly, or I feel like you don't trust me to get it done on time. Is that accurate? And see what the boss says about that. They might say, no, I don't trust you. And so be ready to take in some feedback. And maybe there was a time in the past where you didn't deliver something on time or it didn't get done the way that the boss was hoping. Um, So you be open to it. But then I would say, Often, more often than not, the boss does not realize that that's what he or she is projecting. And then you can say, well, you know, can I propose a different way that we communicate about this task that would be more comfortable? I like that. Um, So then now you're talking about polar opposites. Yes. So then you've got micromanager (laughs) boss on one end of the spectrum. On the other end, you have a hands-off boss. And um, what's funny is I bet the ones with micromanaging bosses are like, oh, I'd much rather have that. But, you know, <laughs> it sounds great, maybe, but not, not all the time. Actually, just recently, I have been working with a coaching client who a textbook definition of hands off boss. And the impact of that was my client was really struggling with, is she doing a good job or not? Was she meeting the boss's expectations or not? Um, performance appraisals were coming up and she said, I have no idea. And I'm terrified of what's going to come out of this. And I, I thought, you know, that's, that's horrible. And, and I didn't know, I've never met her boss. So I wasn't sure, you know, who knows what was going on there. But again, I, you know, it's all about what is in your control. So what we did was I helped my client make a table that had all of her duties on it. And then we ordered them in order of what she perceived to be the priorities. And then she went through and put success measures for each one of her duties. So like how, if she were going to be rating someone else, I said, imagine that it's a year from now and you're now doing this for the person in your position what kind of things would you be looking for for success? And when she thought about it that way, not about her, but just kind of like the out-of-body experience where you can look at it from another perspective, it wasn't hard for her to go through and identify what success would look like. So after she had a table she was happy with, then she took it to her boss and said, hey, I found myself wondering, 
if I'm meeting your expectations or, or not, or if I'm doing a good job. So I made a table and, sh- and she showed it to her boss and said, I'd love to get your feedback on, are these the right things? Are the priorities the right ones? And is this what success looks like? And her boss was delighted. Like Ooh. She just like, oh, I've always wanted to do something like that, but it feels like I never have the time. This is great. Um, you put this one as a priority. I'd put it more down here. And oh, we what about the Blink project? Where would well, let's put that on here? And um, and they spent like thirty minutes going over it together and finalizing it. And now my client is so much less anxious and stressed because she has a clear role, clear expectations, and she knows she and the boss are on the page, same page about what a good job would look like. Oh yeah, I love that. So but it also sounds like though that there are despite the type of boss that there are some universal things that are important. Yes, yes. When you're managing your boss. You've got to be clear on what those bosses expectations are and then how do you know when you're doing a good job? Because wouldn't it be sad if you thought you were doing A, B, and C, and your boss was expecting C, D, and E. And so at performance appraisal time, there's going to be a big surprise there. So yes, you want to get on the same page for what your duties are, what your role is, what it might not be, Um, especially if you transition to a new role. And it maybe it's not a promotion, but it's a lateral move, or maybe jobs get split sometimes because they grow. And um, whenever there's any kind of change like that, make sure you revisit what those expectations are. And it's so much better to have that direct conversation than to wonder and stress and then have a possibly bad surprise when it comes to appraisal time. Yeah. And well, and also, I I heard you say too at the beginning. It's uh, and maybe not in these words, but we also have to realize our bosses are people too that have lives and a lot on their plate, yes. and they're just kind of most of us are just doing what we need to do to get through the day. Yes. <laughs> so, like an understanding of that as well, I think, right? Exactly, and and a lot of the people I have worked with either have a boss who didn't want to be a boss. Or they themselves are like, yeah, I don't know how I ended up in management. And <laughs> and though I'll tell you how it happens. It's because people get recognized for their technical expertise and they, go, they get moved up. But unfortunately, yeah. a lot of organizations don't invest in a whole lot of leadership training. So they get thrown in and then you're left to just try and fail or succeed and learn as you go. And, and that's a much rougher road than having some good management leadership tips. But even with that, some people are still like, I I would much rather go back to what I was doing before because that was the work that I love. So if you, if you have a hands-off boss, that could be part of the issue. Um, they might just be tremendously overworked, but they might just not be so excited to be the boss. And the way yeah. you would handle that is the same as that hands-off boss story I just told you, then, then you take the reins, you, you know, create metrics of how you think you should be measured, what success would look like, what you want your job description to be, how often you're going to communicate with your boss on what you make that plan, take it to your boss. And I would say 95% of the time, those bosses are going to be relieved 
They might not love everything about it, but they're going to love that you thought about it, you took responsibility for it, and that you've got a starting point and they're not just going to be starting from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, right or wrong. That kind of reminds me right or wrong. When I had a boss, it wasn't me. <laughs> I, I, um, I, my, I thought one of my jobs, one of my roles of my position was to help my boss, right? To help them be a better boss, to help them look good, to help them easily manage me. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. Yes. In fact, if you want the secret to promotion, it is make yourself indispensable And you look constantly, like you just said, that you want to look for what can you do to make your boss's job easier. And as you do that, as you get things off of their plate, it's going to do two things. It's going to make your boss happier and think you walk on water. And secondly, (laughs) you're going to get the opportunity to grow professionally because you're going to start taking on tasks that are done at a level higher than what your job is. And it, you know, it it might mean more hours, it might mean more stress, but if you're really wanting to move up in the organization, that's how you do it. Um, And then you're going to get more visibility. And when your boss is looking for who's my next in line to take over when I get promoted, it's going to be you. Awesome. So I did it right. <laughs> yes, well done. Well done. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So um any other any other things related to how to manage your boss before we get into your services and products? I just wanted to talk about one more kind of boss cuz I think sure. this is very common and that's the too busy boss. And uh-huh. I I had a wonderful boss who super smart, very capable a little rough on the outside, but at the end of the day, just loved her staff. But she just she was wearing two hats uh, in the organization, and they really needed to backfill a spot, but they hadn't yet. She was just so all the time in meetings, 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 meetings. And I would have my one-on-ones with her to get you know update her and help get a decision out of her. And I would say, I mean, she started canceling them all the time. I'd go sometimes three, four weeks without talking to her. Um, and it had impact on the th- sometimes then the stuff I was working on got delayed because I had a decision that I couldn't make without her input. So I came up with the 15-minute meeting and I came to her and said, hey, I know you're super busy. So I'm going to provide you updates via email. You can read them whenever you have a second. And then in our meetings, I'm just going to give you the brief background and what's the decision to be made. And then I'm out of your hair. And she thought, okay, let's give it a try. And it, they were wildly successful. And it does take two to make this work because you do depend on your boss to at least be reading the updates so you don't have to take the time to do that in the meeting. But once we just laser focused on the decisions that had to be made, I actually got it to the point where we could do 10-minute weekly meetings and I could get everything I needed. And it was awesome. So uh, give that a try. Maybe it's not possible to do a one-hour check-in every week. Maybe it's not even possible for a half hour. Give 15 minutes a try. I like that. Awesome tips. All right. So before we get into your final piece of advice, can you tell us a little bit about products and or services that you have our listeners can partake in? Yes. I. So if you go to ambitionleadership.com, you'll find my website. And right now I have two offers for 
uh, the, your audience. And one offer is you can take an, a soft skills assessment and then get a one-on-one debrief with me where we can look at um, elements of your personality, your people skills, how you handle stress. And I will give you that debrief. And it's um, a normally a $250 value and I'm offering it for just $99. Wow. Awesome. And the other thing is if you're not ready to take that step, but you just want to talk about what a coach working with a coach would be like, see if we'd be a good fit. Um, I am also offering complimentary conversations and you can sign up for those as well on my website. Excellent. Yeah. We'll make sure ambitionleadership.com gets in the show notes. Thank you. So to close our time today, can you uh, share your last piece of wisdom or advice with the group, the listeners? (laughs) Yes. I would say the most important thing to remember, whether it's working with your boss or your peers or customers, it's really all about communication And I know it's really challenging for some, especially if you're more introverted or sometimes some are conflict averse more than others are. And it's just though about finding what is the message that you want to communicate? What's the point of frustration or what's the idea that you have? And being able to logically communicate that to someone else without a whole lot of emotion and then being open to whatever the person you're talking to comes back with. And I I think if we all got a handle on just that simple theme of communicating directly with others, that so many of the, so much of the drama and the crazy at work would just go away. Oh yeah. And, and we, we could all use a little less drama in our lives. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 2020 is doing that for us, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Jennifer. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. If you'd like to learn more about Jennifer, visit ambitionleadership.com. Interested in expanding your employee development program? Visit christinaeans.com to look at the many workshops Christina has available for you.